it is time once again for us to take a long rest. Thank you for joining us once again for this episode of A Long Rest. It has been a while since we have been here, and uh, we were all just chatting, and uh, we're going over some fun ideas for things that we would want to talk about, and, and new show ideas, and we decided, hey, let's throw some D&D horror stories into an A Long Rest, because it's been a while, and uh, why not? Everybody has an amazing funny, ridiculous D&D horror stories. So, uh, we will go ahead and get started. As always, we are playing a randomly generated character uh, that can be found at, if you want to follow along, uh, tetra-cube.com slash D&D slash D&D, so on. You'll see it in the show notes. Just go below and look in the show notes. So, I will be playing Dent, who is a 13-year-old warforged uh, sorcerer. Uh, so that'll be interesting. Um, I'm also a farmer for some reason. You know, robot farmers, totally cool with that. And uh, the tavern we will be in is called the Bronze Jelly. Uh, and I'll get more into that as we go. So we'll go ahead and go down the Discord order uh, because, you know, why would I torture Lydia by making her go first every time? Uh, so <laughs> oh, and we'll also have a new person joining us. Soonish. <laughs> yes. I just noticed that Lydia is, is is last on the order for once. There, there is no resemblance of person to the list. <laughs> All right, uh, Stygius, go ahead and uh, do your character first. Okay, so I rolled up. <laughs> How much of this do we tell at the beginning? Do we just go all real- into it or? Just a real quick name of yourself, you, what your race, class, a little funny thing about you, and then we'll get more into it as we go. Okay, so race, bugbear, class, bard, <laughs> gender, female. So... Okay. <laughs> Very I'm, ha- I'm Hashak. I'm a bard of the College of Glamour. My defining work is the Three Flambinis, which is a ribald song combined concerning mistaken identities and utter desire. After enough drinks at the bar, I'm pretty sure it would be a mistaken identity in the morning. (laughs) Can I offer you some ale goggles? (laughs) Yes. Sweetie. Yes. (laughs) And we have a new person joining us this week who will go ahead and go next. So, Eaton, uh, tell us about your character. Hello, I have uh, Petra Fairfritz. She is a um, forest gnome that is a moon circle druid. She has bright teal hair and wears this giant wolf hoodie with ears. And she's very happy to be here. She's very excited. She doesn't get out of the house very often. That's fantastic. I love the voice that went with it. Kleinenstern, you are next, sir. I rolled up Megid Greycastle, a, a half-orc. I'm also a Circle of the Moon druid, who um, is a 31-year-old male, and uh, this is the best part. So, half-orc, druid, 
who is an Azorius functionary. <laughs> so those of you who know magic know that the Azorius are the Ravnican guild that is devoted to, to law. <laughs> That's fantastic. And uh, um, I hope uh, I hope one day to write the laws and not just to enforce them. And, and my ideal is that the law is meant to ensure that the gears of society turn smoothly and quietly. <laughs> what was your name again? Megid Greycastle. Alright, so uh, it's official here. Megid Greycastle for uh, 2024 election. Just putting that out there. Alright, Lydia. Um, hi. Um, I will be uh, Gabrielle today. I am a young uh, studying rock nerd uh, of the School of Abjuration. Um, I don't get out very much. In fact, I haven't been outside of like my estates for like a decade. But it's it's not all bad. I am arranged to be weird, and I've never met the person I've met. Uh, I'm arranged to, but maybe in time I'll get to get, get to know them. They'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh my god. Okay. Um. All right. Uh. Sorry. I'm just trying to tie together everybody's stories. So. Uh, we are in the Bronze Jelly. The Bronze Jelly is a tavern um, that is run by a non-binary dragonborn who is sort of ugly but has an extremely jovial disposition. Their scales are green in color and they look like super buff athlete. Uh, on a typical night, the Bronze Jelly would be described as powerfully friendly. So everybody would be sitting around large, long picnic-style tables, uh, all just chatting, and and uh, patrons are also noted as being he- or drinking heavily. So it is a drunken riot in here, but of the best kind. So we find ourselves in the bronze jelly, and everybody has their drink of choice. So we will go ahead and start in with whoever would like to go first as we recount some of the tales we have heard from other adventurers. They could be warnings, they could be ridiculous anecdotes for lack of a better term. What what stories would you have heard from other quote-unquote adventuring parties? So who would like to go first? Oh lord, right, so it's right into it. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, I, I'm very eager to tell my story of the boat saga which has become my go-to whenever I talk about D&D horror stories. And um, it is a, a classic example of, of rushing into to join a game with a bunch of people you don't know, you don't know what you're getting into. Um, I, if you don't mind if I just rattle off. Go for yep. it, we'll, we'll, we'll all get turns. I, I had recently uh, dropped out of another game I was in, the first game I was ever in, which is another horror story in itself, but I was fresh-eyed and looking to meet new groups and everything, and I joined this uh, group on Roll20 that was uh, was a homebrew game called Debran. Oh, this is neat, I'll I'll take part. I uh, ended up making myself a a dwarf forge cleric, Um, and her her name was Nain, N-A-I-M, it was a very proud dwarvish name. Regardless, uh, I'd made them very bright-eyed, they were very eager, they, they were a very cheerful person, all things considered, they were very zealous. And this campaign would slowly crush any sort of semblance <laughs> of 
whimsicalness or bright-eyedness or, or charisma from them until the point they're a nihilistic husk of a dwarf who wanted to die. It, <laughs> it, it, was, a, it was a sad decline, um, and it all begins with the boat saga. But before we even get to that, we, uh, our group was recently uh, in a bit of a spot of trouble with the law. You see, um, we were trying to kidnap this certain political official because he had um, information on another political inf- individual who we knew was an evil necromancer. So, we kidnapped this dragonborn guy, big dragonborn, and we started uh, trying to escape it. At this point, all alarms had gone off. We were being pursued by tons of guards. And so we try and get across this long bridge uh, that extends basically from this erased fortress in the middle of the city to the rest of the city. And our artificer has this bright idea, what if I just deposit all of my black powder barrels here and just detonate it? Um, (laughs) Which caused the entire bridge to come down and crush all of the uh, homes underneath. Uh, and that was how our group became a terrorist group. We successfully managed to flee, but there was already um, a bit of a moral schism within the group. Uh, so tensions are pretty high, but we successfully managed to get away with our dragonborn captive. Awesome. The thing was, is that this dragonborn captive then revealed to another party member that in fact they were responsible, personally responsible, for the death of one of their parents. And oh, that's it's, it's your real jab right there. It's a spike. It's a spike. Um, but before that can come to anything, it's just a dragon attacks. Just freaking out of nowhere, the DM drops a dragon on us. Okay, <laughs> we have to fight a dragon now, so we'll buckle up and get ready to fight a dragon. And in the middle of this, the captive dragonborn breaks out of the adamantine chains that I fought and runs away. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> We finished off the dragon, but um, our other dragonborn party member who you know, was had a personal vendetta against this guy went after him. Alright, need to track them down. Cheryl the boy, natural 20. Freaking perfect. Goes after him. Alright, need to fight, fight and it ends up in this kind of like this valley within the mountains where there's a river. Alright, now I need to spot them. Natural 20 again. Oh and she's like, okay, I go down the river then because the tracks ended at the river. And then that's when the DM calls them. Oh no, you've lost them. Wait, what? Yeah, you shouldn't have gone down the river. Yeah, because um, since you decided to go down the river, you know they actually were hiding somewhere else. So uh, you've lost them. So they returned to the group, very sad, uh, and without our captive, who just got away, I guess. However, I was not there at the time because one of the party members had taken me and decided now is a great time to cast Dimension Door off in a random direction twice, trying to pursue the guy, but had no idea where he went, and so we were trying to find our way back. Well, now we were without our target. Um, we had nothing. We were all worried at each other's throats, so it's like, okay, what do we do? Well, we kind of have to find a place of relative safety. As it turns out, since I was the last person to get into this group, this group was already um in bad reputation in various cities as it turns out there was only a few places where they figured we might not be killed oh dear lord okay fine so what proof very quick was um going across land was really dangerous we were constantly being attacked so i had the brilliant idea 
we're on the coastline, and if we get around along the coast, we can get quite close to the city that we're going to to be safe. What if we construct a boat? I have fabricate spells, and I'm a forge cleric. I can make us a boat. And you know, people kind of uncertain whether it's agree, but you know, I was, I guess, I was persuasive enough because that's the plan we ended up going with. Uh, the DM though seemed very dead set against this plan, as they said, "Oh yeah, there's, there's no trees around here to, to use for wood. No trees. No, no, no trees." And so we had to keep going, and we dedicated to going north for as long as we could to try and find any trees. And eventually we did, but there were spindly little things. So we made camp and started going out further into inland uh, in small parties to try and get back some wood. Uh, it was at this point we actually managed to create the boat. I did it right there and then, and I gave the boat wheels so we could wheel it all the way back. <laughs> and I thought it'd be fun. Awesome! We have a boat. Um, and it was at least a long boat, so we could fit everyone in. The trouble was, is that suddenly, out of nowhere, a group of mounted soldiers came chasing after us. Oh, oh okay, we got on the boat, got it rolling down, and tried to escape. And that's when they started throwing, like, oil and lamps and candles like, onto the boat to burn it as we were fleeing in our rolly boat. Uh, then a couple of us fell off of it, including myself and one other person, uh, so we just tried to flee on foot. The boat itself was now burning to send us out towards, but getting towards the ocean, where I, we were now trapped with these cavalry guys, uh, trying to escape, um, but we were cut off, so we had to go up towards a, like a cliff that overlooks the ocean. It was a really high cliff, like, jump off of it, certain death. I had a brilliant idea though, um, and I did uh, melt into stone, sink into the earth, never be able to find us. Perfect plan. Good old dwarf logic. I become the rock. Um, it ended up going belly up again though, because the cavalry guys just got off their horses, came over to where uh, we'd sunk into the earth, and started putting dynamite down and lighting it up. Like what the hell? This is this is a personalised cavalry arsonist explosives hit squads made to destroy us <laughs> oh, up we go. and I only have one idea left um, only one possible thing that could work to make at least one of us survive it took me in to fight so I cast warden bond on the other person that's with me uh, so and for anyone who don't know warding bond is a spell that will halve the damage that they take. They're resistant to all damage, but that damage they would take goes on to you. I would guarantee that they would survive or that I would probably die. And we jumped. And it was this beautiful, dramatic, heroic moment, and we both survived for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> you see, the Dean decided that us jumping off a cliff in the dark towards a rocky, you know, sort of shoreline, that was harsh damage on falling, right? So we just both kind of survived and took minor amounts of damage. And I'm like, oh, okay. That ruins the dramatic survival. But, oh no, I'm in full plate armor at this point. I just go <laughs> dropping like a rock. Okay, <laughs> I'm drowning now. Um, so I, I reach out towards the cliff face as I'm being slammed against it. And I meld into stone again. Perfect, I can breathe stone. <laughs> I can't breathe water, but I can breathe stone. <laughs> 
the other the rest of the group had managed to get the boat in the water and put it out mostly and we're now out on the water and it went out searching for the two people went missing including myself uh it, as it turns out though uh the dm said uh, said oh i well, why are you struggling it's only five foot deep <clears throat> there was a list five foot deep but it's like wait, what it's less than five feet deep and we just jumped off a freaking cliff and survived and i was drowning just before <laughs> okay sure I have to get saved though. Although the crew debates whether or not to save us. That that was the saga itself. Like that was the cliffhanger by the way, whether or not to go and save us while we we're right there. Regardless, oh. we're on the boat and um the DM had a unique way of every single time this boat got brought up, it seemed to shrink. <laughs> like <laughs> He constantly wants, oh, be careful how you're walking it, you might tip it over. Oh, just see if you don't want to shift anything, you would, you, you know, it'll all fall to its pieces. Oh, it's a very, it's a very small boat, like, it's only like five feet wide and like ten feet long. It's like, oh my god. And, and it progressively just got like, to make this puny little thing feel like we were floating on a popsicle. Um, <laughs> regardless. We're now at least out in the open ocean. We made a flag for it, um, and we ended up naming the ship. I believe we ended up calling it the Necessary Evil. Name <laughs> 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 I suggested out of the irony of it, because our group at that point had taken the name The Greater Good. <laughs> that is fantastic. Um, of course, at this point, the, the DM and their infinite knowledge, knowledge decides that this would be a great point uh, for a, uh, a, a a complication. Now, we're on our maiden voyage here. We've named the ship. We started fishing. And so, of course, the only reasonable thing to do at that point is, what, what, what sort of complication do you think uh, hit our boat at that time? I can think of any number of things that are terrifying. Yeah, I'm scared to ask. Now, now I'm in DM mode. Like, what would I do? Hit by ten. We got hit by a freaking hurricane. <laughs> oh my hurricane god! Hurricane from nowhere and hits us, and, and we get then attacked by sharks. So, Sharknado. The boat is effectively dissolved. It is. <laughs> obliterated into twigs over the course of this. Um, this time, at least I have water breathing on, and so I very grumbly sink to the bottom and walk to the nearest island. Oh my god. Yeah, because it was five foot thick, five foot deep or whatever, so you could just uh, walk Apparently it was but I could still sink down and breathe and slowly walk along the bottom and <laughs> up. What size swells do you have on an ocean that's five foot deep? <laughs> I don't know, but at least at this point, I think it was a regular ocean. You know, whatever. Um, we ended up getting to the floor, and it was just the most depressing, sad time, because one thing I've cut out of the story is just all the other attempts, all the things we tried to do, the scouting runs we'd made, characters coming up with ideas, um, foraging, other constructors, all had failed. It was a constant series of failures that were put onto us. Um, and it felt like we could do nothing to stop it. Um, and at that point, the, the, the tone of the group was, was so dour. From that point, we did manage to get to the city, at least, after some time on foot. 
But they they were um uh had this big line to get in. And we didn't have any papers or anything, no proof of identity, so it's like how are we gonna get in? Well, I had this new spell, you see, it's called creation. So I thought, well, I'll create some diamonds, like some precious diamonds. I'll create a sack of them for him, and I'll wave them in front, and I'll bribe the people at the front. The diamonds built only last for a few minutes, because it's a creation spell. I only need a few minutes to present it to them and bribe them. Brilliant idea. Uh, no role necessary. This, this, uh, this customs official must work for the TSA because they, they instantly knew that this was fake and I was trying to have one over on them and they wouldn't accept it. So I was like, ah, well, fuck. Well, I might as well get some amusement out of them. So I looked at the huge line behind us and I was like, alright, I throw the diamonds out and run into them. But apparently I guess they all knew they were fake because they just kind of looked at them and did nothing. <laughs> so like, well, I think I know what's going on here. It's, it's, this, this is, this is... In 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 all due respect, uh, suffering pornography. Yes. We were we were there for the amusement of the DM to watch us go through pain and suffering and failure to the point where all of our characters, even those cherry ones, were broken down into husks of what we used to be. It it I cannot express like how dour the tone in the group got like at that point because it kept going beyond that and we're just kind of going with the ebb and flow and not really fighting back much and to the point where the game just kind of ended unceremoniously it's the important thing then for your dm is is dear lord do not get excessive with the amount of suffering you put your players through (laughs) keep 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 an eye on the tone of things if you're laughing and you're the only one laughing there is a big problem. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> yeah. I am willing to bet you dollars to donuts that when that DM recounts this tale, he speaks of it as if it is his greatest triumph. Yeah. <laughs> Funny no enough, joke. I was in his next game. I wonder, is are we going to hear of this man's exploits twice? If you would like, I have two stories I can tell. Fantastic. <laughs> That is fantastic. That's the boat saga, at least. (laughs) (laughs) That is terrifying. Oh my god. Yeah, and it's like, like you said, you know, if you're the only one laughing, I think if you're the only one laughing and the one in charge, I think that technically qualifies as a cackle. (laughs) I think is what that is. It is a cackle. It it is. Oh Oh my god. That's ridiculous. Okay, whoever would like to go next is welcome to. Oh, I, I think I got this. Go, Mike. I'm so thinking you're a good one. Micah is. Well, I hope I don't take yours because I feel like we could have the same one. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> this is a campaign where I played a warlock. <laughs> Funny that it currently in see he already oh, I knows. Even, I, had, I forgot about this one, but oh god, it is brilliant. This, this is a tale called The Wife's Prerogative. <laughs> um, so um, at the time I was playing, I'm going to do a little backstory on the character because I, I enjoyed the character greatly. Playing with Micah is always a treat. So, uh, And I think this is actually the first time you and I actually ever played together in a real campaign, right? It is. I, I, I want to... I break in just a moment here 
uh-huh. because because it's going to be mostly you. But my character, I was playing a a college of lore bard. Uh huh. And so my whole thing was telling stories about my very first D and D campaign. It's talking, nice. you know, telling telling the tales of these great heroes from my initial campaign. He was a gnome bard named Burton Erniel. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh my god. <laughs> Yay Sesame Street. <laughs> Yay Sesame Street. Okay, carry on, Mike. Okay, so <clears throat> the actual horror story is very short, really. There's not going to be a ton to it. Um, but the lead into it to show you how much work I put into this character and what I did to make him an interesting character and to have some really awesome possible role-playing aspects to him... Uh, so the name is Sabian Silvertongue. He's at the time he's not even a character class. He's just your standard guy walking around trying to make his way in the world today, taking everything it's got. And he goes and gets himself in massive amounts of debt, uh, gambling, because he's he's the Silvertongue. He's actually really good at talking people out of things, but when it comes to the actual gaming aspect, he's got no clue what he's doing. So he gets involved in this game and. He thinks that he's winning, and then he loses everything, and then he doubles down, and he loses everything else. And uh, so he's literally, he's got one shot left. He comes up, he scratches together the coin to enter the big card tournament. So this would be like, in the, in the if you've ever seen the movie Maverick, the big uh, winner-takes-all, you know, Texas Hold'em poker tournament. He gets into this big card tournament, and he's playing and playing, and he has some ups and downs, but he finally gets down to the point where he's literally, he's about to lose it all. And all of the <clears throat> loan sharks that he's gotten the money from, they are all there watching him lose their money. He's no escape. This place is actually held. You walk into this place and you teleport into an area that there's no getting out of this place. You can only <laughs> go through the door. It's not up to code. There's no fire escape. And so he doesn't know that, though, because he's not aware that he walked through a portal. He just knew that he walked into the back room of some seedy tavern. So he walks into this place. He's losing his money. And he like you know asks for a break. He goes to the to the washroom, and he's sitting there. Just what the hell am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? They're gonna kill me. They're literally gonna kill me. I'm about to die. And so he's looking in the the makeshift mirror, you know, because it's a fantasy game. So a crude <laughs> reflective device. And he looks up at it, and he just splashes some water on his face. And as he looks up from splashing the water on his face, he sees himself, but it's not himself. It's a much better version of himself, and it's smiling at him. And the reflection says to him, Don't worry, we've got this. He flips the hell out, and then bang, 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 bang on the door. They're like, Come on out, kiddo. Time to pay up. And so he's like, Oh, my God, I'm, I'm going to die. And the reflection says, Oh, no, we're not going to die. You just have to make a small agreement. And he's like, Am I so just taught with terror that I'm talking to myself in the mirror and he's like no 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 this is you but not you do you agree to the terms he's like what are the terms he's like you do a few small things for me and I'll get you out of this I'll let you know and then the basic you know warlock pact right you're making a pact with a greater greater being and well he has no choice he's literally he says no and he dies so he accepts it steps out he's now become a warlock so now he's now has some abilities and whatnot and and, you know, we'll say that he gets his first, like, legit <clears throat> stat increase, if you will. He goes out and he starts winning and winning. And win. before you know it, he's won. He's won the tournament. He got all the money back. He pays back everyone that he owed. 
And with the grand winnings, he literally had enough to walk out of there with two gold pieces. <laughs> and so he's at least he's back to zero now, but he, he starts realizing he has these abilities. So he says, all right, well, I can use these abilities to do this, but the patron says, I, you need to go and handle some tasks. So he gets out there and starts being in, in, the, uh, in the adventuring world, but he doesn't want people to know that he now has these abilities. He wants people to still think that he's the same loser that always was, so it's going to be better for him to take advantage of them later. And so he pairs up with this adventuring group, and uh, Bert, Burton, <laughs> I can't remember. He pairs up with Burton and a few other individuals and heads out on his first major adventure. And that adventure was DM'd by a friend of ours, and his wife played in the campaign. And uh, again, I didn't want everyone the, the party to know that I was a warlock. So high decks and the ability to do sleight of hand checks and relatively good charisma. So I'm just this fast-talking rogue kind of a character. So I'm carrying a dagger and I'm doing the basic rogue type things. And they're just like, oh, you, you must just be this kind of a this criminal, right? And like, yeah, that's definitely it. And so we would get into combat with everyone thinking that I'm a rogue, and I would cast Eldritch Blast, and they would turn around and, and be like, you can do that? And i just hold up a stick. And i go, oh, it's a wand. <laughs> it's just a random stick that I picked up off the ground. And, and But I would make, and they're like, seriously? And I would roll my check, and they're just like, oh, they believe me, because they got no reason not to. They're like, I didn't know rogues could use wands. It's like, oh, well, you have to study hard to do it. But yeah, you can do it. So... I'm playing off this. What's that? Remember when, when they, when, when you failed the check to deceive them? I did. Them. I, there was a point where I did fail the check, and Burton was standing directly behind me. And I'm like, and it was me. I did it. <laughs> so, so Burton is now backing up my story for whatever reason. Um, I think probably because he thinks it's going to make it a better tale. And so we're playing through and everything. And so the horror story begins around halfway through the first campaign. Uh, session, all of a sudden the wife starts pulling the the, the wife gets benefits that no one else gets. Well, Because um, uh, if you remember, we, it was supposed to be just standard core rulebook stuff. Yes. But he pulled this weird homebrew class for his wife from a book. I can't remember what it was. Yeah. But basically yeah. this, he... If we she were to was, review this class after a homebrew review uh, series, we would be like, uh, creator, you need to do some work on this. <laughs> because this is insane. It was like, basically immune to any magic sources, and whenever she was hit with a magic source, even though it did no damage, she would soak in all that power, and then be able to reflect it back. <laughs> Amplified. And she had this weapon that was like a homebrew weapon that, like, it, it had reach, and it was both piercing and slashing at the same time. I, it was, it, it was ridiculous. It completely wrecked magic users. So you're like, yeah. oh, you know, you know, and it's one thing to be like an anti-magic character, but she was also ridiculous in just normal hand-to-hand -hand combat. Right. <laughs> I, I think it was a variant. It was kind of a monk-like variant, because uh, there was a lot of, like, there was like multi-attacking and, and like a flurry of blows type of things. It was, um, it was so nuts. Also, the campaign itself was kind of horror story because uh, this guy introduced an, an item at level two. Yes. At level two, we were given what I refer to as the bag of mansions. 
it's literally it's a bag that it, and this is all like he's like oh we're we're gonna do this great campaign we're gonna go straight out of the book because D D fifth edition was still in its first year at this point this is back when i was running my own game store and we were playing it in that game store and we had just released not too long ago shortly after i met bob and and bob mm-hmm. made me witness a frost giant toweling himself <laughs> That's a horror story. I'm gonna that. tell. That, that's a horror story all in and of itself. <laughs> but you, you so. are welcome for that, Mike, because I was the one who told him we needed to do it. Good God! <laughs> so, um, yeah, so we're playing, and this guy introduces the bag of mansions. Is what I called it. It's a it's an extra planar uh, area inside this bag that was literally stocked with an entire freaking it was like the Avengers mansion for crying out loud there was food <laughs> drink there there were multiple beds and and a fireplace it was like wait what what servants yeah it was it was just dumb and so we had a cleric who had boots of uh, winged boots so basically he could fly so when we would travel from point A to point B there was no hey, we're going to have to make this five-day trek over a mountain that's you know it reported to have a lot of bad you know, animals and creatures, and the weather is going to be terrible. So we're going to have to pack up. There was no, whenever we had to travel, there was no need to even bring a coat. It was just like, oh, just everybody hop in the bag, and the cleric will just fly us there. So we'll get there in no time. And in the meantime, I and I, as a warlock, could take a short rest inside the bag and not mid-combat. even be privy to sneak attacks. What's that? <laughs> like mid combat. Yeah. Mike's like, yeah. I'm gonna hop oh, in the bag no. and have yes. a kip. Because also inside the mansion, time in the mansion goes by much faster than time goes by outside. So you can spend, you can have a whole rest inside and pop out two turns later. It was stupid. (laughs) It was just stupid. And so, you know, and this kind of goes along with like kind of what Lydia was saying is that, you know, when you're telling a story and you're laughing, but you're the only one laughing, probably it's not that great of a story. And so he thinks he's making us happy by giving us all these things. It just took away all the challenge of like level one and two and three. They can be kind of hard, you know. And it's just like we got to work together. We got to make good choices. No, no, just oh, oh, you took how many? How much damage did you just hop in the bag? <laughs> what? <laughs> and so, so in the bag of mansions, in Tony Stark's bag of house, we're inside the thing, and and that was the thing. And then and then the wife starts getting all this crazy stuff going on, and the conversation that we had. Out of all of it, that was the most <laughs> shuddery moment. Um, okay, and so, I, so the thing is, like, this guy's a really great guy. Mm-hmm. His wife—he's a fantastic person. Like, I love him to death. But she was a very nice there. person, also. Yes. But how nice you are, and how well you play in a game where other people are involved. <laughs> Sometimes there's a shift. So. We're sitting there, and, and, and finally, for the first time, he actually stood up to her, where he had, like, given her the, these, these items to make things easier and play the game. Oh, also, when his kids came in, his kids got first dibs on all the items. That was kind of irritating. But, so, he finally stood up to her and said, no, I don't even remember the situation, but it was, no, we're not going to do that. And she says, well, why not? And he says, well, it's the DM's prerogative. And she goes, what about wife's prerogative? And I'm like, oh, here we go. Now we're bringing the marital aspect into a game. There's supposed to be a suspension of disbelief, and you're not supposed to, like, oh, hey, don't you owe me 50 bucks? Bob, do I get that magic item because you owe me 50 <laughs> yeah. bucks? That kind of thing. That's not supposed to come into it because, like what Lydia said, when you're not considering how it affects the entire party and, and all the players involved and whatnot, it creates 
you uh, alienate some people. And so he finally stands up to the wife and says, no, it's DM's prerogative. And she says, wife's prerogative. And Micah and I just kind of look at each other like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> and, and then she explains what it means. She explains what it means. And I quote, I have a vagina that you use from time to time, so I get what I want. <laughs> and at that point, Micah and I were like, I think we need to find a new group because we really wanted to play with our friend. But it's a, there was never going to be a game where she wasn't present. He, she was always going to be playing with it. And so we... Sadly, we had to cut ties with playing those games, but he continued to run Adventurers League for quite some time after the fact. And uh, so uh, plenty of other people got to enjoy his time. But uh, yeah, that was it, was... it wasn't so much even a horror story as it is just a... That, that moment was a was cringy so moment. Cringy. Because you just... Yeah, like we said, oh, boy, oh, boy. So yeah, that was... Uh, that was Sabian's silver tongue and the wife's prerogative. Mike, I feel like I feel like the word vagina got yelled out a lot in that story. It did. Okay, so if if anyway, there was a situation where we were having a uh, a Warhammer Forty Thousand Apocalypse game, and anybody who doesn't play the game, it's a miniatures war game where you know small miniatures, big miniatures, they all have points, and so you bring whatever. Uh, tally the points comparatively so that each person has roughly the same chance in victory and then each faction has different abilities that some counter some don't counter and a uh, huge apocalypse game though it's basically a free for all everything you got like, throw like, it on the table like 40 feet worth of we literally we yeah. had we had four tables that were four foot by six foot and they put them all together in a line with with a with a curve on it and just massive amounts of terrain, and and the tur- a, a single turn took three hours. So <laughs> it was it, the game lasted for two days. We set up on the beginning of Saturday, and it played all the way through to Sunday. And so while this is going on, someone's playing a Tyranid group, and Tyranids are you know big, scary creatures. One of them, I forget the name of it, but it it spawns little tiny ones. Every at the beginning of every turn, you roll X amount of dice, and that's how many of these little spawns you get. And so the concept of it being a vagina was it's like, oh, well, not to mention, though, the actual model itself kind of it kind of looks like a giant scaly. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> one of the people who was playing in that game, I won't name names, but it was a girl who I not, I, not many people appreciated her. Only her boyfriend who played the game appreciated her. And she was very opinionated, and she didn't mind telling you everything she believed. And if you disagreed with that, you were a bastard, and you needed to go to hell. And so, well, she's standing there, and they finally kill this monster that's been spawning all these things. And so she shouts in a store where the girl who I was currently wooing and her two children... If you if we remember Pokemon, Pokemon, Pokemon right? So <laughs> she's there with her two kids, and we're playing Pokemon the card game while this is happening. And she, this girl shouts out, "Finally, the giant vagina dried up, loud oh. as hell." And and the two kids just look at me like, "What's a vagina?" And I'm just like, "Oh my god, this is yeah." So that was uh, that that word did get thrown around out there. And then when we questioned her about it, she's like, "What? It's a biological term. I'm allowed to say it. I can say whatever thing I want. This is America. I have free speech." Okay, but there are kids here. <laughs> so yeah, that's a whole different like game. Less than, but... ten, less than ten years ago, that kid was inside one of those. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 oh my god! Yeah, 
Oh, that is great. Right. I, I can luckily say that I had I was never there for one of those. I was only Wednesday Night Adventures League. So I, mean, I, was, I did not get to enjoy that experience there. <laughs> oh. I, I will say, Bob, though, the, uh, the towel flossing was... The imagination of that happening was... Because <laughs> it's a giant. It's a 30-foot-tall giant. Oh That's yeah, huge... the description. I've actually got the booklet. Uh, I'm I'm currently looking to try and find the right one. So uh, I won't go next, but I'll go after this one, and I will read the description of this giant flossing. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, uh, yeah, that was a story, all right. Uh, I <laughs> I yeah. hope everyone enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> so who would like to go next? I completely forgot what my story was. This one isn't super long, but it's one of those kind of instances where it's a DM that wants to tell a story and he wants to tell it his way and you are just there to facilitate him telling his own story. So <laughs> everything was like super railroady to the point where your decisions didn't matter at all. Mm-hmm. You're not talking um, about my Weapons of Legacy campaign, are you? No, that that, that that was... I thoroughly enjoyed that campaign, and I would love to revisit it. I, I feel bad because I did railroad that a little bit, but, I mean... A, a little bit, but not too terrible bad. You also had to take into consideration who we were playing with. This is true. Uh, but, but um, so this was... We were... I'm trying, I think it was actually my first experience with tabletop role-playing games. It wasn't my first D&D experience. We were playing in a GURPS campaign. Oh. <laughs> yeah. For anyone who doesn't know, Micah, what does GURPS stand for? Oh, God. It's a like gener- generic universal role-playing system. Yes. yes. And it's all based around D6s and rolling yeah. low on D6s. And, and, it's, and, it's it had, actually, and it had mega damage also. Yes, like, like exploding dice. It's actually a really fun system that I would like to try out again. It's you know it's it's not designed for like like I said it's really generic and open ended but you can do a lot of really explosive stuff with it and it's I, I, I wouldn't mind trying it out again but anyway so I'm playing it was really great because he gave me a chance to play a character that I could really get into uh, his name was uh, Gideon something or other and I was a like like all of these characters came from different types of worlds which is a really good way of showing off just like the flexibility of GURPS. Uh, we had one guy from a cyberpunk world where he was, you know, a, a super hacker, and, but my character was a, uh, was a, was from a steampunk world, and I had this really cool, like, electric sword that was just basically a, a, a copper-plated Tesla coil that I could hit people with, and it was really fun. That sounds awesome. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, like, listen, the only two characters I'm even mentioning are my character and the, the the hacker, because those are the only two characters that I remember were there, because the guy who played the hacker was constantly trying to kind of open up the game a little bit. He was he was a bit of a dick about it, but the things he was trying to do were, were kind of... We're actually kind of trying to take it off the rails a little bit and give the players a little bit more control over what was going on. But the guy who was running the game was trying to always bring it back, and they were always just kind of constantly at odds with each other. And there was just this whole like back and forth, like, like you know, I want to do this, and he's like, "But I need you to do this so that the story can progress." And he's like, "But this would be fun." And it's DMs, please, 
if you want to tell a story, write a book. If you want to run a game, let your characters have some free will and some choice in the matter of <laughs> what goes on. If you aren't <clears throat> creative enough to roll with the punches, don't DM a game because it doesn't matter what you do, there's always going to be those instances where your players are going to just go Flip! off in the left field and you have to be ready for it. And if you're not, then maybe you should be doing something else. I'm sorry. That's just my personal opinion. Could I extrapolate on what Micah just said just a little bit? Go for it. I don't want to like, you know, jump in and take over the whole, the whole show. Um, but what Micah said, as far as that goes, uh, we had this conversation with some people back when I was actually writing, like legitimately writing for supplement stuff like that I was trying to get published. And this is back in third edition. And one of the things that I had had where I basically have this whole list of things about how I write the campaign, I want there to be a flow chart <clears throat> and you can't plan for everything. And one of the biggest things about that is you can say, okay, well, I want this to happen and that's going to lead to this and that's going to lead to this and then they're going to do this and you can't do that because your players, and this is my quote, the players write 80% of your game. Decisions they make, uh, I mean, they could completely fail a charisma check, you know, a persuasion or an intimidate. And if that happens, then how do you as a DM say, oh, well, that failed charisma check just throws off, it derails the entire plan I had. So do you then buckle and say, oh, well, even though you rolled a two on your charisma check, the guy's like, oh, yeah, definitely. I'll go along with whatever you guys say. Now you're like throwing off that suspension of disbelief. The players are like, wait a minute, why? Like, what, what, what's this? Now we're going to do investigate checks. So, no, 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 just it's fine. He agreed to you, just fine. And so when you, when you like buckle to something to get them back on track it takes away from the actual enjoyment for those players and so you you have to be able to like Micah said roll with those punches and so when you do decide to like you know fish hook somebody and say oh no come over here the best way to go about that instead of just saying well no you have to go over here this is the only option well we all know that's never the only option Mm -hmm. so you have to provide your players with an adequate reason to go there the trick is to provide that information to them and those options and make them appealing to them without making it seem like, well, if you come over here, I'll give you some free stuff. Or if you come over here, you'll get you'll get an extra level or whatever. You have to find a way to implement things in the story that, that direct them there, with, but it still has to be their choice. And exactly. Because when the players are like, all right, uh, so what are our options? Well, you've got A, B, and C, and you really want them to go A. But if you go, well, if you go A, all these great things are going to happen. And if you go B and C, it's going to be terrible. And they're like, oh, well, why would we ever choose B or C? But if you provide some things and say, well, this is this, this is this. And it's also okay. When I talk about 80% of the game, to me, that also means that 80% of your sessions should be focused on only what they want. What do you guys want to do? Well, uh, there was this thing going on over here. Let's go check that out. Okay, cool. It might branch off a little bit, branch off a little bit bring it to a nice solid conclusion the players feel like they legitimately got what they wanted like oh man we were able to go off and do this thing and oh this was so great man thank you for running that session it was awesome and they go okay cool and then drop that hook at the very end of that session that Mm -hmm. there's there's a tale of an artifact somewhere near here and all of a sudden they're like oh man really like we just had this awesome session and now there's like a whole nother thing so you you give them a session or two you know, to get really what they want to do and accomplish things that they want to do and play their characters the way they want to play them. And then you kind of like reinsert your story so that it feels genuine and it feels organic. Because when you force it on players, a lot of times people, they'll talk about, oh, these guys got these crappy players that they never want to do anything 
the way it should be done. Well, the problem is, again, the players are 80% of your game. If you figure five players or four players and one DM, they outnumber you. <laughs> and without them, you can't run a game. So if you really want to run a game and you really want to tell your story, you have to remember, though, you're not telling the story. You're providing the environment. They are telling the story. So exactly. I, I hope that wasn't too much. No. And it's a quick caveat to that. Like, that's one thing that I had to learn how to do is I, I started off as being, you know, OK, this is Adventures League. We're running it by the book because that's what you had to do for Adventures League. And then yep. eventually I got to the point where I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, we can go off the cuff a little bit. And that just took a lot of practice. And it was one of those where if they were going off the rails, I would say, hey, guys, I have nothing prepped for this. Give me five, ten minutes to come up with something. You guys talk amongst yourselves. Go get a drink, whatever. And real quick scramble if I had to. But And that's totally fine. If, you're, if you need to have an outline to figure out what you're doing, especially things like Adventures League that have set rules on what you can and can't do, that's totally fine to say, hey, guys, give me 10 minutes real quick to cross-reference stuff. But, yeah, okay, so I finally found it. So my real quick horror... It's not really a horror story. It's kind of funny. I've got horror stories. I'll save those because most of those have to deal with just problem players, not... They come to the table wanting to run the show, and it's like, no, this is a cooperative game. <laughs> you are the only player. If you want to do that... I'm sorry, yeah. Bob! <laughs> <laughs> yes, damn you, Kleinenstern. Um, but, no, like, it's one of those where it's like... Uh, well, like, I, I, we talked about it a little bit earlier... Uh, I had one character, or one player, he was in his late, late teens, I think he was actually, he might have been in his 20s, but he would show up, and his mom had to drive him back and forth. Normally his mom would go out and do shopping or whatever and come pick him up, you know, 90 minutes later or however long the sessions usually were. But if she sat there and stayed, we weren't allowed to cuss. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's fine. If I had teenagers there, you know, under 18, I would hold back. But he was in his late teens, early 20s, and it wasn't the mom that had a problem with the cussing. It was him who didn't want anybody cussing in front of his mom. And it's like, no, this isn't how we do it. If the kids, if the, the not the kids, but if the players want to say damn or whatever like that, I'm not going to say, hey, censor. You know, it's like a, we're, we're not doing this to fit your mom's preferences. We're, we're playing a role-playing game. But anyway, Fuck those are most... Shit. Yeah, exactly. So um, my very first charity game that I ever did, Mike, the wonderful Mike, had the privilege of running the store during my very first 24-hour game that we did. And that was right as... Uh, for Extra Life. And that was right as Storm's King Thunder... Storm's King's Thunder came out. And so that's what we were running. Well, we decided to go off the rails a little bit at 1 or 2 a.m. because what else do you do at 1 or 2 a.m.? And we ran the Acquisitions Incorporated Cloud Giants Bargain Module uh, <laughs> for 5th to 7th level. Uh, it was a lot of fun. We had a ton of fun. And Mike got whatever he was doing done and decided to sit down and roll up a character. Mike, do you want to talk a little bit about that character you made? That was a gimmicky-ass character. He was a gold dragonborn, and his initials were A-U. Yeah. <laughs> it was fantastic. And he had the most proper, like... Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, he was he, he was quite dapper. <laughs> he was. He was. And you had a very... And what, a wizard or a sorcerer? I think you were a draconic sorcerer, weren't you? I, he was... No, I, I've actually... I've never played a sorcerer in 5e at all. 
Okay. He, he, he was a wizard. He was evocation wizard. Because I remember I was working on stuff, and I just like, right, I'm going to get in on this. And I threw together something quick. And I was like, screw it, wizard. You know, easy to throw down some spells and just cast those same spells, and then I can focus back and forth on things. So, yeah. Exactly. And you were a very conversational character. You weren't just going to fireball somebody from across the room. You wanted to get all the details before you shot off fireballs. So. Oh, yeah. You entered into this room, and I'm going to go ahead and just read the uh, little flavor text here for it. Hot baths filled the swirling water, or er, uh, hot baths filled with swirling water cover the floor of the steam-filled room. Through the steam, you can just make out stairs leading to a balcony. You can also see an aged cloud cloud giant sitting in one of the pools, water up to his chest. He cocks his ear in your direction as he yells out in a shaky voice, Who goes there? Balakar? Grandson? And so uh, they have a lot of play on words in the Acquisitions Incorporated uh, booklet. So cocks his ears was enunciated. And uh, one of the player options was to enter, to talk to this person before you know you started attacking. Because he's totally blind, 100% blind. And so our wonderful Dragonborn character goes up to him and says, Ah, sir, uh, you know, you you were being very conversational with him. Mm. He stands up out of the pool, totally nude, and you have to hand him a giant-sized towel. And this giant-sized... Strength check required. (laughs) Exactly. It was very unmanageable because you were the only character there. We had split the party at that point. And don't so don't you, split the party, kids. No. And so you managed to drag this giant-sized towel over to him, and he begins toweling off. And at one point, and I should have had a sanity roll, but I hadn't yet been introduced to Call of Cthulhu at that point, but he towels himself off, and while he does, and it is written within here, he flosses the towel between his butt cheeks and legs. And uh, <clears throat> you were speechless for a while. Yeah, yeah. After that, <laughs> what it takes to make me not have a comment. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, that that was one of my favorite. That even though it was my first charity game, and you know your first charity game, you know all that kind of stuff. They're always one of the most memorable. That was probably one of my favorite moments in a charity game that has ever happened. Because I have that was the very first time I have ever left a character. Speechless, and everybody else was like, hands over their mouths, snickering, trying not to laugh. Mm. Well, those oh. two people were Wayne and Greg, so exactly. And, uh, yeah. with, oh, Wayne! What, one Whoa. of them, a college professor of like thirty-three years. Yeah, Ugh, he, that he guy was, was in, oh so much fun. He was fun. His main character in our regular Adventures League campaign, he was a bard that focused in necromancy, and all of his zombies played different instruments, so uh, we dubbed it Wayne and the Zombies, and that was his <laughs> band name. <laughs> that, that gave you the tone for the entire thing, and I think at that point, we weren't running Storm King's Thunder yet. I think we were still in Tyranny of Dragons. But no, we weren't. It was Curse of Strahd. That was the best part about it. It was Curse of Strahd, and it was Wayne and the Zombies. But, um... Yeah, that that was that was a lot of fun. So that's my story. I've got horror stories, but they're all super player related. So we're gonna we're gonna push those aside. So Eden, do you have a good horror story for us? Oh, I can either go with a short, sort of, kind of funny one, or I can bring it back to depressing. <laughs> I want to be morally and emotionally crushed. <laughs> <laughs> 
Right, so we're actually gonna go back to Storm King's Thunder because this is the first oh, game no. that uh, <laughs> I actually played with Lydia. This is one of the games where we first met. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna go with um, something that I've never played before, but I'm gonna go with something a bit different. So I ended up making a character who was a tiefling rogue, uh, an inquisitive rogue. And later on, I ended up multi-classing, getting fighter and then warlock as like part of um, uh, the backstory stuff. Um, and I... <laughs> sorry, <laughs> uh, not really. Actually, I ended up having to pick like a really like I wanted to do this one warlock that fit better, but it was homebrew, and the DM was like, "I don't like this." I'm like, "But it fits so much better." <laughs> So yeah, I, it, that's another story. Um, and uh, this character, I, her name was Silence. She was a Glacia tiefling. She was from Neverwinter, and her like backstory was that like her father was a rich merchant, and her mom was like basically a prostitute. Uh, and she was raised that she was going by her mother to kill her father in order so that like she could take over the mother could take over the business um well that's one yeah. way of doing it <laughs> yeah I, basically being used silence is being used as like a puppet uh by her mother um and inst- uh, when the time came silence ran away and hence at this point um joined the party um so we kind of get through that first sort of encounters, getting to like to know the characters, um, and we uh, get going through ten towns and um, are heading down the coast. And along the way, we end up stopping in Neverwinter, which is where Silence is from. And as we are going into the city, this giant, hulking. I think he was a fire giant, undead fire giant, walks out from the city and he's like, uh, you see, clutched in his hands is the head of a man. I need you to roll a reception check. I roll pretty well because, like, uh, for some reason, and he goes, oh, it's the head of your father. I'm like, (laughs) what? (laughs) Um, I'm like, my character starts freaking out. She is having a panic attack. And like, I think at one point he's like, oh, just like make this one roll and roll for me. He's like, oh, your character passes out. I'm like, "Uh, okay, she falls off her horse and she's on the ground completely unconscious then. Uh, Come back later. And like, he, the the giant said something to her, like you're next. And it was just like really cliche. So turns out the DM had decided that like, oh, I'm going to throw some homebrew stuff in with this campaign um and like okay whatever um and as things go on this giant keeps popping back up and like really getting to my character um because uh, his backstory was apparently my like my father side of the family had some sort of dealings with this guy but he used to be it was overly complicated and I cannot remember most of it because I was just so emotionally traumatized. I recall it was like half a session was just spent with exposition for this side villain who, while simultaneously was doing all these really bad things, nobody really cared about because they would just kind of disappear for a while because they moved at a walking pace. 
That's it's like, it fell after the walking pace. <laughs> um, but a couple days later, after first encountering the fact that uh, he's carrying the head of my father, he goes, um, I need you to roll me something. Cool. Uh, so you forget your father ever existed. <laughs> Say what? <laughs> um, my father was a big part of my backstory and a lot of her like her, her personality traits, bonds and flaws were all sort of related to the idea that she really wanted to try and make amends and um, connect with her father. I'm like, if she doesn't remember her father, she's not the same character anymore. She has, she doesn't have the same personality. She's not going to be that sort of like cowed, like uh, daddy's girl wannabe. Um, and at her flaws were gone. And I'm like, I'm not playing the same character anymore. What am I supposed to do? So I'm scrambling to try and figure out who my character is now. And like, at the same time, every once in a while, this giant will pop up and he's like, oh, roll me such and such a thing. And like, oh, your character is now blind. And I'm like, what? What? Popping up again and again and again. And even when the giant wasn't there, it would just be a case of, oh, you wake up after your long rest, you're blind. You can't see anything. Blind it, got it got down to a point where my character could not, you could not cast fly on them. They were, they were, um, like, um, what's that one spell where, like, basically you can ground people. Um, so basically she was grounded. She, I had, like, a quarter of my movement as a rogue. I was moving so slow. I movie probably could move like 15 feet max with a dash and it, it was a Yeah, and like my character was just having nightmares and like eventually some things happened where uh, she ended up the warlock thing came into play because her patron actually helped her to remember her father. And it was more of a benevolent patron, um, which the, you know, even, the patron if, was, even if it wasn't benevolent, I think you get a lot more out of your workers when they feel okay about things. I like to make sure I get the plan, which helps me with my amnesia. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll join, you know, for forty-five thousand, you know, a year. But I'd also like to remember my grandmother. <laughs> Uh, but the thing was, she was the only person in the world that remembered her father. So she kind of had her old personality back. It was coming out of her shell. But at the same time, she had to try and find out more about this giant. And like I said, it was somehow connected to her father's 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 father, whatever. Don't remember much of that story because I was just not paying attention anymore because I was totally upset with this DM. Understandable. And, um, <laughs> eventually, we figure out the only way to kill this guy is we <laughs> we need to we need to take his sword for, away from him, and this sword literally could down a person in one shot, and he had like three attacks. It, it wasn't. It, it, it wasn't just take his sword away from him. It was take his sword away and then cut off his head. <laughs> Even when he's already down, like if you've already, you've already you know, you can't kill him. You have to get him. Oh, he was a revenant. He was a revenant. Yeah. That's right. Oh, God. A revenant fire giant who didn't used to be a fire giant. He used to be human. 
Figure that one out. Oh, wow. Oh my god. Yeah. <sighs> Eventually, we, we ended up killing him, and like, as our reward, we get his hideout. We're like, we don't want it. <laughs> don't, don't want it. It was in a sense, an, it was an interdimensional hideout located in a cave. It was, it was like a Mordenkainen's mansion, uh, but it was in a specific location. And it's like, oh, you got, you know, I already got a map for it. You guys can always come back here. Wait, wait, where are you guys going, guys? Guys, I had this. Whole, no, nobody wanted this place. <laughs> we were all fed up with him. We're like, no, we don't want it. We're gonna go buy that one island you made us sit on for three days. <laughs> <laughs> I also did get my comeuppance with him um, because I was playing on Inquisitive Road. Uh, we ended up doing. Uh, I think there's later on where you have to go to uh, um, an auction. Yeah we, yeah, we were doing mission on behalf of my temple. Uh, because one of our agents had gone missing in Waterdeep. Uh, so we were on a mission to go get them back from this apparent uh, devilish auctioneer. And so we had to uh, infiltrate one of their auctions. That I think we ended, up, we ended up buying that kind of stuff. Oh, no, we, we didn't actually. Only one of our group bought something. Um, but it we turns out in the fine print, it swore over your soul! Ooh. And so, <laughs> And so and our artificer was an idiot and bought something. Yes. He was he was never bought and something. I, and my character, being an inquisitive rogue, took it and spent three days reading the fine print and rolling to make sure that everything was good. And I finally found everything wrong. Went back and lawyered the shit out of this DM. <laughs> I looked up real laws to write down. Yeah. This is what's wrong. This is what you did. This is how I'm getting you out of this contract. I literally stomped him into the ground and he could not say anything against me. <laughs> I talked the devil out of a contract. Oh my god, that is fantastic. You are not allowed to play in our charity game because there are devil <laughs> contracts. No. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. That's only if I play an inquisitive rogue. Otherwise, I'm going to freaking like, hide in a corner. <laughs> oh, that's great. It was a strange game, and really what kept us coming back was uh, we've really enjoyed at least our characters and the interactions they got. Um, the weird stuff that's kind of piled on top of Storm King Thunder was weird, and, and some of the other players are a bit weird, like um, <laughs> around, around about the end where one of a, a, a witch in our group ended up saying, ended up announcing oh, oh guys, I'm pregnant and it's the artificer's baby but it's okay, the baby died because I got hit by a harpoon yesterday Oh god <laughs> We were just like what? <laughs> Oh my god okay. we, like, Literally we all went silent for like a, a good 30 seconds like We were shocked what the fuck? Coming back oh. up like we took, we took a break and we ended up coming back and I was like, oh no, 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 don't worry, I was just joking. I was joking, guys, can I take a joke? It's like, you, you are not joking! 
You just took one of the most screwed up things you've ever seen. <laughs> Dear oh <my> Lord. <laughs> the only way we could justify her characters is that she has multiple personalities. It's the only no. way that we can justify who she is. Oh my Listen, God. That she, she was schizophrenic because she would jump between perky naive to sadistic and on like a, like a coin toss. Uh, <laughs> what's, your, what's her number? <laughs> that sounds like just the girl for me. mistake. No, he ended up being her bitch. <laughs> oh my god. I, I totally off topic, but I just saw a thing on uh, Facebook and it was a ball gag, but it had a D20 for the ball <laughs> gag thing. It came up on my Facebook or whatever. Uh, oh, uh, that's fantastic. <laughs> okay, any <laughs> good, amazing, terrible stories that anybody would like to share? Before I got one. Okay, go for it. This is, this is, this is a tale of how players can torture a DM. Oh god. Personal experience here. And it comes from one of Bob's charity games. Woot woot! <laughs> and and I, I, it might have been the second charity game. I don't even remember. Was it Shandrasikar? No, it was not Shandrasikar. Thank oh, you for god. pronouncing his name right, by the way, Bob. It took me, like, the entire 24 hours to get it right. No, this was, this was an instance where I was playing a Forge Cleric. Oh god. And I think Virgil was a bard of some kind? Yes, he was. No, uh, what was he? He may have been a bard for that one. I don't remember. All I remember was he had a ridiculously high charisma score. And oh, I think he might have been the inquisitor, not the inquisitive, the, uh, the helper rogue. Uh, which one is that? Mastermind. Mastermind rogue, I think. Ooh. So anyway, long story short, we're uh, uh, being sent all over God's green earth to perform various missions dealing with undead uprisings and uh, uh, horrible green green dragons and whatnot. And we decide that we need... So, so there's like this green dragon at a tower that we have to deal with. <clears throat> and we figure the best way to deal with this green dragon is to talk to him. When knowing that green dragons are evil and greedy, I use my... <laughs> uh, uh, wonderful forge cleric abilities and i enchant a regular bog standard sword mm -hmm. to make it a magical sword i.e give it a plus one bonus and we take it up to this green giant and present it to him as this like massively op super evil sort of like angel slaying and he buys into it and we end up convincing that we we convince this dragon to go fly off and do all sorts of other random nonsense only to go over and then deal with this necromancer who's summoning all of these demons all the while like every time we go somewhere bob is rolling for potential random encounters like every time it's the same giant that's just running back and forth mm -hmm. and yeah. <laughs> that was uh that was tyranny of dragons i believe is the one that we were running for that and I had, I, I made the mistake of making a pre-made encounter chart, and I actually named what the, all the things that you could go through. And so it was the same, God, I think it was like a 12 or a 14 or something. I kept rolling every damn time. And we just kept hiding from it so we wouldn't have to fight it because we didn't want to die. Yeah. So anyway, push comes to shove. Uh, we end up having to, like, 
take this dwarf up to the castle that's being assaulted by goblins, but because of foreknowledge and lack thereof, we we knew that we were going to have to go deal with this castle eventually, and so we show up at this castle that we had conveniently sent the green dragon to go terrorize the goblins at, with, 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 with this promise of a magical sword, and we show up and he's like, why are you here? I thought I told you to go deal with this guy, and it's just this whole mess of ridiculousness that I feel so bad now, looking back for making Bob have to go through all of our shenanigans of basically super conning a young green dragon into being our minion. Mm-hmm. And what ended up doing it is Virgil had a maxed out 20 on his charisma score, but then he also had... <laughs> I, it, was, it wasn't had of disguise, but it was something that would give him advantage on deception checks. I don't remember what it was, but like he literally never rolled below an 18 ever on a charisma check. It was ridiculous. <sighs> Good time. I, I, I know you meant to charisma. him. I believe it's called loaded dice. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. If we literally hadn't all been around a table where I could physically see it, I wouldn't have believed it. But it was ridiculous. I was so pissed. Because it was. They just automatically did it. And I would, of course, roll the opposing insight check to see if they were lying or not. And I don't know if you guys know dragon stats. They do not have the most stellar wisdom on the planet, especially when they're young green dragons. It's like, son of a biscuit. <laughs> so we would just go from there. Okay, fine. You, you said it, so it, they did it. Oh, God. Oh, didn't, you know, we, what, didn't we convince the necromancer <laughs> that we had found and destroyed the... Like, like we, we the, the tome that he wanted, we we didn't even bother going look, looking for it. We, like, left and came back and been like, oh, yeah, it got destroyed and he believed us. I think so. I don't remember. That was getting late or early, whatever. That was like the last five hours-ish of the game. So we were all at that point had been up for like 19 hours straight and we're like, I sure will go with it. It was it was a long game. It was. It was. You did remind me. Um, earlier when we were talking about the uh, the wife prerogative, the, the wife's prerogative, and, uh, <laughs> when it came to some really broken rules and class items, and it reminded me of the very first game I ever played. Um, we'd just come off of like me and a group of friends. We were, had been playing uh, the Star Wars Old Republic MMO. That's where all we all met. We're all big <laughs> Star Wars fans, uh, and. We ended up uh, getting all kicked out of our guilds in a blaze of glory. Uh, so uh, we said, well, what are we going to do with ourselves now? Well, let's try D&D because, you know, one of us can DM. So we guess so we'll start that. Our DM was apparently quite experienced in terms of uh, playing 3.5. Mm. Uh, new to 5 either. But had a system in place that uh, we could indulge in the head setting. Um, I, uh, I, I did the cartography for him in that regards, but then um, uh, we found out that the new sort of uh, mechanic to play around with was something called Soul Arms, which is essentially oh, no. custom magic items. Not only custom magic items, custom magic items with a really lax approval system. <laughs> so, Those are the best ones. The story was 
pretty it was pretty viral at first like it was fine like brand new experience of course like you know you, you kind of get in the gist for the game at first so you kind of like to be led along a little bit you, you wouldn't have those training wheels i was playing a fighter first off a, a quarter orc uh, it's a parent was a half orc and a human i was i was a quarter orc fighter <laughs> Uh, named Elikos, very proud, sort of like a Roman Greek sort of uh, mythos behind them. And she ended up having the worst experience of any character I've ever played in a game. Because as, as depressing as things got in the other thing with the boat saga, this character lost everything that ever mattered to them <laughs> over the course of the campaign. Um, so they ended up initially being getting their magic item, their custom magic item, which I nerfed myself into the ground with, but I they're quite late after being denied it because they refused to be magically put to sleep by a random fairy that turned up. <laughs> Most people got it like in dream from street by the living knocked out. Um, one of these items, these custom magic items went to our knowledge cleric. Um, mm. our, our, our law cleric. Who uh, got a, a book that could absorb any spell that was cast at them, <laughs> a, a quill that could write it down so they always knew it, and then it could also shoot back the spell that was cast at them. As, as there's, there's, there's like the classic homebrew is the absorb shoot back spell thing. Yeah. Um, it got worse at a point though, because um, she could then use it to instantly message people across the world using this book by writing stuff down. And she could write down somebody's name, get all the information on them possible, even information they didn't know. Um, write down to their, to their, write down to their uh, various bodily sizes. <laughs> Where do I get this Ready? book? <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a ninth level ritual, the freedom of information spell. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Uh, I, 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 I believe it is um, uh, very commonly used by the uh, uh, the Chinese government. <laughs> ah, so I have to talk to the Chinese. <laughs> My uh, Mandarin's a little rusty. Uh, regardless, uh, it, it also, if it, when you got wrote down someone's name, you could, for once a day, become the person you wrote down. So of course, oh what, do you, what do you do but write down the most broken possible person you could? A, a, a DM NPC uh, with three level nine spell slots, including a custom spell called God Beam. <laughs> Your spell has the word God in it, unironically. Please, please remove it or reconsider what you're doing. Because this spell did not require a saving throw. It did not require roll to hit. It just dealt straight damage, like a magic missile, except it did freaking like a ludicrous, like, 12... Uh, it was like... It was 12 to 6 radiant damage, and it was 12 to 6 fire damage, and it was 12... <laughs> it, it was... Snap! It just did damage. Um, every, every dice on the table, just roll it. All of them. <laughs> there were a couple of people that were getting, like, really favored treatment in the group, which we noticed, like, really quickly, was like... Okay, cool. Is there anything else you want to give them? Do you want to upgrade their <laughs> item a bit more? You know? Um, our uh, rogue was getting a hard time because they were playing like a sailor whose ship was just for the sake of the story constantly being destroyed. 
Okay, we need to get these people there. Storm, break, ships destroyed. Oh, we need to get them moving on foot. Lightning strike, ships destroyed. He just could not keep his ship in one piece. There was a boat siren itself, quite frankly. Oh my god. That's a load of ship. It was ridiculous, because we ended up saving the day, you know, we, um, eventually, in a cutscene, because uh, if, if you've ever had cutscenes in D&D, they're atrocious. <laughs> um, just when the DM says, alright, sit down, shut up, and listen to what I have to say to you. <laughs> And in this case, what happened was we were about to start the final fight, and we were getting in there, there were spells going around, and then a demon NPC, who was a giant bear person, ran in and ripped the tongue out of the final boss, who was a spellcaster. Uh, and then the, bo- the boss just rips the spear's arms off. It's like, okay, that happened. Um, so the spellcaster final boss could not cast any spells because he couldn't speak. So we just gathered around him and started kicking him, like <laughs> the nerd he was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a debate at that point because it's like, okay, this tower has like, it's got like portals to all different dimensions. Like it, this is a, a hub that can be used to tra- like go to all these different planes. It's like, I, I was, my character's interested in keeping this for their own nation, which is like not too far away. Um, so we had this big debate over what to do with it, but then one of the Deus Ex NPCs, who like always came in to save the day, like at last minute, ran and said, I've already ripped this place up to explode, we're leaving now. It's like, you did for what? And then we got teleported out and we kept Um <laughs> Then our resident wizard decided, now's a great chance for me to start raising the dead corpses around here as my undead minions. Uh, that's how we got arrested. Um, and... and, and Dear freaking lords, that led to a whole saga in itself. My character got killed, um, but then brought back, and and then they got chastised for trying to save everyone's life. And then, oh god, there's more. Oh, I'm I'm realizing how deep this rabbit hole goes with this freaking campaign. <laughs> to the good parts in regards to it. Just tell me one thing that the DM said about your character. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll get to that part. So mm-hmm. I retired the character at a point because I was not having fun with them. So I brought in a, a halfling barbarian who was a proud Scottish wench and she was swinging her sword and it was it was lovely. <laughs> um, the group really didn't like her. Um, they really hated her, in fact. It was the, because she had like a sort of like dual personality thing going. She was uh, possessed by an undead spirit. That would sometimes, like, you know, it'd give her powers, it would sometimes take her over a little bit. Real jiggle and hide stuff. <laughs> um, it got to the point where she, uh, the spirits over had, like, a vengeance for dragons, and they found a baby dragon uh, after defeating, the, the, like, a big boss dragon. So the spirit was like, alright, go kill that dragon. And I'm like, no, I don't want to. It's like, nope, too bad, taking over, assuming direct control. Uh, and found <laughs> the dragon. Uh, the group then proceeded to beat her unconscious, stab her to death, and left her in another plane of existence. Um, I was uh, so that was the end of that character. Um, I then had, then went back to my first character. Um, they ended up getting rejected by their love interest. They then found out that 
their father had died elsewhere, they also then found out that their entire home had come under foreign occupation. They then also got threatened with exile again, and they also then had their main weapon snapped, which was a magic item, and the group had basically abandoned them and left them by themselves in, in their home city. Um, and so my, my character was at this absolute low point. They were depressed, they were upset, they had nothing left. And um, the DM had been, of course, like, you know, they talk about the games, you know, of course, off, off the session and such. And it had gone back to me from other players, it's like, um, like, the DM, like, said that, like, he, he really just wants your character to get over with and commit suicide. Like, dear freaking lord, no. Yeah. So I, I retired the character again and brought in a new character. Long story short, I made the mistake of revealing before before I started playing them that they had a lawful evil alignment. So nobody trusted them at any point and regarded them with the utmost suspicion at every turn. And it even got to the point where she ended up being nearly clawed to death by the cleric, the, the law cleric, and they stabbed to death after that by the paladin before they had to flee. They didn't even get a chance to do anything anymore. But, oh, the, the, entire, the entire campaign is so tense with just what the hell was anyone thinking? I didn't even, I didn't even mention the freaking bone dragon. That thing was <laughs> nonsense. <laughs> it was. <laughs> the accent got me there. It was nonsense. <laughs> it was nonsense because it was essentially like. The, have, has anyone seen? Has anyone played Mass Effect Andromeda? Yes. There's a big plot point there. With weather alert. Um, they're turning the Ingara into the cat. They're making them bone monsters essentially. They're, they're making they're making them have skeletons, big bone monsters. That's essentially the plot of like the second chapter of this thing. And this bone dragon is responsible. And he won't tell us why. He keeps chest he, he was chastising us for rejecting his gift and not becoming bone monsters. But we were like, okay, could you tell us what it is? Or like, you know, even even give us really a chance, really. And then he just told us to leave. And the dim made us leave. Because I guess we just left. And then we abandoned the village we were protecting and we went to just go to a banquet on an unrelated continent. We got shoved around so much. Oh my god. It was... It, and then killing that bone dragon eventually managed to spawn a baby dragon, which is how that whole thing began. That, that was weird. <laughs> Then there was the cutscene in which one of our party members got disintegrated, but then it turned out that, yes, they were dead, but they were a magic item in person form. So they could be retrieved <laughs> from the dimension of sprites, because magic items weren't just magic items, they were living creatures. They were sprites, they didn't have it weapons. And so we had to go basically there and retrieve them again. But they were a new class this time. How convenient. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, we had a freaking own Metaclorians moment where it was revealed that, like, our soul arms, they weren't a piece of us. They weren't like a, a fragment of our soul, like the one ring. We pour an element of ourselves into an item and it becomes infused with their energy. No, no, no. They're fairies. <laughs> <laughs> it's a uh, uh, bacteria in your bloodstream, actually, I'm sorry. 
They, they sound like. Uh, yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> oh god. I have to do like a whole oh. freaking breakdown of this whole campaign because it is filled with the stuff. Write a book, you'll make a million. <laughs> Bob, can we go ahead and cut that comment that I made so that uh, so as to not to spoil things when we finally get around to reading Way of Kings and uh, and Oathbringer for the book club? Will do. I've got to cut all my own background noise too, but yeah, not a problem. <clears throat> we'll, do, so we'll leave this comment in though about cutting your previous comment so not to spoil. <laughs> yes, yes, do. <laughs> so there was mention of that paladin and uh we had a guy play this is back in the second edition advanced D, and my best friend was running the campaign and this is a horror story about players who don't understand that it's a group game it's not just about <laughs> your character and then but yeah. also in second edition ad and alignment was a very important part of the game. Specific mm. classes could only be certain alignments and there was a lot of uh, penalty. If you deviated from your alignment, you could lose experience points or you could lose levels. It was craziness. Uh, so they were very locked in on that. Well, this guy of course, you know, he's a paladin, so he's lawful good. But the problem is this guy was an asshole <laughs> who didn't understand the concept of law or goodness to begin with. He himself <laughs> he himself was chaotic neutral and didn't understand any way to play but for whatever reason for his first character he wanted to play a paladin. And we're just like and everybody in the group except for my best friend the DM who is the most trusting person. He's just like he thinks everybody, no no man, he'll be fine it'll be fine. we'll just have to guide him no uh so like after session four or five like we were just like hey we plan this weekend it's like do we have to because we're gonna be there and we're like oh god so but we would still play because we were enjoying our own company and so he has this magic he got a hold of this magic amulet and it was pretty powerful and he with his lawful goodliness he ruined a job of mine because also like lydia mentioned in the last story i was playing a neutral evil character I was playing neutral evil, half elf, uh, mage thief, but I was I was portraying myself as kind of more of a neutral good kind of a character. And he's like, "Well, how do you get away with that?" And I'm like, "Well, I mean, what's more evil than making someone think that you're not evil and then stealing from them?" He goes, "Yeah, legit." <laughs> but and I didn't, and, and I don't I don't condone just like getting into a game and stealing from your characters, but. And long story short, his goal was to, well, I'm not going to hire these people because then I would have to actually pay them. I'm just going to join them and pretend like I have their back. And then when I accomplish <laughs> my goal, I'm going to bolt and see what happens. And Kane's like, well, that probably won't be for like 12 levels. I'm like, even better. And so we're running through doing all this stuff. And and I, I there was a love interest. So I admitted what was going on there. And she was like, huh, cool. Uh, split it when we're done and I'm like yeah <laughs> so uh, that's going through all this thing and this guy this paladin he ruined one of my jobs I was doing a job on the side and somehow he decided to get him he, he involved himself ruined my deal and it was supposed to like I was basically fencing a ton of the stolen goods that no one knew that I had stolen so he ruins the deal uh, showing up with his shiny attitude and um, so roleplay wise is like alright cool yeah that's fine you yeah. And he's just like, what were you doing anyway? I'm like, none of your fucking business. And I back out. And so the next situation, uh, I created a scenario, shiny metal ass. <laughs> 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 that 
That's even you. better because our friend <laughs> Micah and I have a friend Christine. That's like her her quote. Uh, so I decide that okay, well, you lost me a couple hundred gold. I'm I'm going to take it out of you. And so I just slowly started stealing items off of him whenever I could. And so I pil- I pilfered this item from him. And this was like the fifth item I stole from him, but it was the first item that he noticed was gone. And so he's freaking out. Well, they had kind of started piecing together that I was actually not a good guy. I was a bad guy who doing good things because I could make money that way and not be chased by the law. So he starts accusing me. And of course, you know, high charisma. So I'm trying to like lie my way out of the situation. And so he's just like, "You, you stole my amulet, didn't you? You stole my amulet while I was sleeping. And the good news about it was, he was awake when I did it. I made a ma- I made a massive sleight of hand check. So, when the, the the way he was phrasing his questions, my answer was not alive. So he says, "You stole my amulet while we were sleeping," and I'm like, "No, I did not steal your amulet while you were sleeping." And after a little while, I even started like enunciating a little heavier. No, 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 I didn't steal it while you were sleeping. And he couldn't pick up on that as a person. He was only you know. And so he says, zone of truth or whatever the hell, and cast it on me. And I said exactly the same thing. I did not steal your amulet while you were sleeping. The entire statement is true because I did steal it. But he was awake. So <laughs> the DM, my best friend, is just like, he's not lying. And so this paladin is like, what the fuck? Where am I losing all my stuff from? I don't understand. This is good. This is, you guys hate me, don't you? And well, yeah, but that's not what we're doing. <laughs> and so he went on a tirade. He became even more lawful goodly. And just every last little thing, like we scenario where we're like, all right, we're going to have to discuss the situation with this guy. You might want to leave the room. No. And he would advocate for the, the rights of the criminal and all that stuff. And, and so I just... That cop. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. So that guy... And here's, a, you know, we did some DM tips and players... The game is not just about you. The game is about everyone else. And although sometimes some conflict between the players can actually be amazing, mm-hmm. but let, let's 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 make sure because oh, think about it in terms of a novel, right, or a movie. Like there's often there's conflict between two of the main characters. You know, like uh, we're both vying for alpha status, which is fine. Or we're one, we want to go to one of the east and west, or we want to do this thing or that thing, or we want to sell the thing, or we want to keep it and forge on. You can have your opinions, but you're still, you know, one of four players, and you gotta let everybody else have their say. Sometimes, when you take over that, oh, I'm in charge because just I want to be in charge. It doesn't work that way, and you can find yourself out of a group. I've seen a lot of Reddits where people say, I just don't understand why players don't want to, DMs don't invite me to their campaigns. It's like, well, what are you doing? You know, mm-hmm. we have to take accountability for what you do and how you play and the way that you treat other people and. You know, because like Micah and I, you know, we're great friends in, in real life, but you put two diametrically opposed uh, characters in play, and he and I are going to go at it in the game, yep. and then have a blast two hours later. You know, talking so. about the ridiculous things that we do. Exactly. Uh-huh. So I, I seem to remember a satyr incident once. Uh, you you need to hush. <laughs> <laughs> Side note: just just before I forget. We are going to do another one of these that are going to be the most memorable and funny moments because well, there are so many more stories we can oh, talk yeah. about with that. But mm-hmm. go ahead. Oh, no, that was pretty much all I had. Um, <coughs> kind of as, as a another cautionary tale, just I've got another story. Uh, the, I'm going to preface 
with the caution, if you're going to run a game, have a good grasp on the system and the way it's designed to flow and the way it's designed to work. <laughs> this story is is uh, is 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 about a campaign that spawned one of probably my second, if not most favorite characters I've ever played. It was uh, many, many, many years ago, back in the den, uh, a friend was running a Numenera campaign. And I... Numa, 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 Numa. Numa, 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 That, that, oh my god. That involved Terra. Oh, yes. Which is a horror story all by itself. R2, coming soon. So, so anyway, Mike was playing in that game, wasn't he? Uh, well, we we did some Numenera that I was involved in. Were you were you involved in the one with with uh, the the guy that we used to play Pokemon with? Uh, the, no, really no, because I only, I only played in the one that we did at my house. Okay. So anyway, so anyway, the, the, the it, it kind of ended up being a, a similar situation because the same guy ran it. Um, Numenera is is a game that is designed around manipulation of experience. You are given experience that you can spend to upgrade yourself slowly or save up and like like you are just giving and taking experience points all throughout the game. That's the way it's designed to be played. Our game was so sloggy, I think through probably a good 8-10 sessions, we had only reached the second tier of, of character. Like, like, like you start out in tier one and then you go to tier two. We had only just progressed a tiny bit because our our DM was treating it like a D and D campaign where you are you know given base basically for the, especially when you're dealing with you know like your milestone type systems you're you know, you're, you're given experience at the end of the game. Whereas it's designed for the DM to be constantly interjecting and giving players experience that they can use throughout the game to do things with. So it was a very, very sloggy game that was thankfully made up by some very phenomenal role-playing moments, especially uh, with with uh, between uh, my character and my friend Luke's character that... W- it was arguably some of my favorite role-playing instances just as far as impact and and just in general, you know, really digging into the nature of who our characters were. It could have been, like, the greatest campaign I'd ever played in. It, it ended up being one of those things where it's like, I kind of want to forget that it ever happened because it eventually reached the point where I was almost dreading our sessions because I'm a, gonna get the ever-loving crap kicked out of me because I don't have the, the 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 stat pools that I need to be able to survive because I haven't been progressing fast enough to deal with swarms of bats and yeah, it's it, uh, it's just a, a, a very much in order for everybody to thoroughly enjoy the game as much as possible, everybody needs to understand how the system is supposed to work because honestly it was most of our i mean it was all of our first time playing the game as well so we didn't really have a grasp of how the game was supposed to be run and be played and so we just kind of went with it looking back if i had known i would have been like uh, probably after about the second session would have been like hey hey dude uh, let's have let's have a sit down we, we need to discuss a couple things that i think we can do to make this a make everything flow a little bit better. So, 
two takeaway keys. Know your system and communicate. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, they I, I watch. I don't know if any, anybody listening ever watches WebDM. Yes. Uh, they've done quite a few Session Zero episodes, and I agree with everything they throw out there. You know, um, the DM needs to say, this is the kind of story that I want to run. This is the type of content that might be involved. You don't want to give it away, but, you know, um, yeah. you know, does anybody have any specifics? Like anybody who might have been a victim of some type of abuse might not want to be, you know, oh, we're going to open the campaign. You've all been abducted by slave traders, that kind of a thing. Yeah. You know, some people are totally fine with that type of game. and But, you know, so know your players. Be aware of what, you know, they, they really want and be aware of what they actually don't want. Um, and it doesn't mean that, you know you can't be creative, but you know, and you don't pander to everything. You still have to like throw some challenges in. But yeah, be aware, and then you know what they want, what they're gonna appreciate, because that's what keeps them coming back. And know that system, because I mean, we've been guilty of that from from time to time. They're like, I'm gonna do this, yeah. and then I'm gonna be like, like, I remember one time I made this amazing play during a homebrew, and like half an hour later, I'm like, Bob, I couldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was just reading through this thing. I just found out that, like, I literally, I could, I literally took two turns at once, and Bob's just like, just, you know, we'll, we'll put a disclaimer out. <laughs> so, yeah. But I mean, you know, we, we're all human. We do have moments where we don't, you know, do everything perfectly. But yeah, the the more knowledge you have about the system, the better the, your game's going to run. Yep. And uh, but that session zero helps because you can let your characters can say, I'm going to play. I'm thinking this. I'm thinking that. And this way, you're not doubling up. And oh, <laughs> so Micah. <laughs> Remember when uh, we were going to do the Ravnica, the Guilds of Ravnica oh, source book when it first came out, and and that the was whole be time, so amazing. from the from the get go, I'm like, this is going to be fantastic. Guilds of Ravnica, two of my favorite things in the world, like mixed together, magic and D and D. Oh my god! Like the least favorite thing about magic was the 37 point villainous wealth that somebody did on me a couple of days ago. <laughs> that was Micah. So that was, that, no, that was me, and that was phenomenal. It was. It was. It was. It stung a bit, but uh, I regret it, it. But at the same time, I would do it again. <laughs> yeah. So, but now we're getting the Guilds of Ravnica, and from the get-go, I'm like looking through the book, figuring out what I'm gonna do, and I'm like, you know what? I'm because blue-red is my favorite color combination, and I've never been able to play a Minotaur in a game, and I'm like, hell yeah! So I played uh, Mulgor, which is actually from World of Warcraft. That's the starting zone for the Torrens. I'm just like, I'm playing Mulgore, the it Eldritch Knight. And so I'm going to get in there. There's going to be some casting. There's going to be some tanking going on. Yes. I was super excited for it. Everybody else was like, I'm going to play this. I'm going to play that. And Micah, tell them what you were playing. I was Boris. The Lux, the, I, I played a Luxodon War Cleric of the Boros Legion because oh I am, I, I, I am a, a fiend for red-white. And yep. yet I cast a 37-point Villainous Wealth, which is the yeah. opposite color. No, the, two, the, the two colors that he loves the most weren't involved when he when he pounded the crap out of me. No, so, but no, no we're, we're super excited to get in this campaign. You got Micah's doing the cleric thing. Our friend TJ's doing this whole sorcerer thing. And everybody else is like, oh, I'm going to play this kind of a spy character. And I'm like, awesome, cool. So we've got roles. Session zero was like a month long. and We all talked about it. We sit down to play, and this guy who was supposed to play a spellcaster, or at least that's what he announced to everybody. Oh, I'm playing a, a, a I'm playing a, a, a Minotaur fighter. I'm like, but I'm playing a Minotaur fighter. Oh, it's okay because you're an Eldritch Knight, and I'm playing a champion, so they're completely different characters. <laughs> uh, and, and so I proceeded to get myself killed 
in episode one so I could come back as a goblin ranger. <laughs> but once again, that goes back to the level zero, the session zero is like if everyone talks about something they're going to do and you're like, yeah, man, this sounds like a great idea. This, this, let's do this. And then you come in and you literally copy somebody's character. And this is, isn't the first time this guy did that. About two years prior, I put together in Pathfinder at the time the age rules the older you are the lower your physical stats go and the higher your uh, your mental stats go so i was playing like a i forget the age cap for the dwarves but i was playing like 12 years from natural death age dwarven uh forge basically an artificer forge cleric whatever you'll call it so his wisdom was high to begin with and then over the last couple hundred years it got higher and higher and higher so he couldn't but he was so just broken and, and worn down as a body that he couldn't do anything for himself so he created automatons to do everything for him. So he literally just rode around on this like mechanical ram kind of a thing, and it had arms and things. And the, the automatons built the other automatons. And so he was that was the whole thing. And his name was Orion Mistforge. And he was going to get out there and do all these crazy things, but he was like basically an invalid on a mechanical steed, and just he'd create things and cast spells and do stuff. And that campaign didn't happen due to a personal scenario. And then the next campaign, the same guy shows up and says, oh, I'm going to play this halfling cleric, and he's super old, so he's got like a really high wisdom. And this, and it was the same thing, slightly different character progression. <laughs> and, I, and I just look at him, I'm like, seriously? What? Yeah, so don't steal other players. Even if somebody has an amazing idea, don't take it. Because that's just rude, you know. A person puts mm-hmm. a, a heart and soul into creating something, and you're like, if you can get to it first, and then you do it. And you're like, oh, what's that? I mean, there's always been that sort of unspoken rule that never really gets said. Is that like, if somebody has said, I want to play this race with this class, generally try and steer clear of it. It's it's just an mm-hmm. unspoken rule of courtesy. Yeah. There's nothing in the book that says you have to do it, but at the same time, they've got no. something in mind that's unique to them that they want to accomplish. Best not get in the way. Yeah. So. Although it would be kind of funny if at some point two guys played the exact same character classes. I mean, I've been in a game where we've had multiple of the same class and it actually has worked. Um, I think there was one game where Lydia and I, uh, I ended up, my first character died and I came back playing a wizard as well and she was playing a wizard, but um, she was, you were playing the abjuration wizard. I came back with a blade singer. So yeah, but those are like so, such such a different. It's the same class, but they're different characters. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but for this one, it was like we're both minotaurs, we're both fighters, we're both wielding. It was just like really, yeah. <laughs> come on. So, mm-hmm. but so yeah, so we talk own. about that like doing a whole a whole episode, weren't we, Bob? About doing a whole episode full of where oh we played this where we played the same yes. class. Everybody has to play the same class. You know, I'm so, like, so down if you, for that sort if of you thing. Can, <laughs> if you can take that and say, "Hey, we're all you know, we're both playing these same things, but they're you know, we're going to branch off in different areas." This is what subclassing is all about, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah. I mean, I don't care what you're doing. You can have a trickster cleric and a healing cleric, and they do. They are two completely different characters. But when you're playing fighter, it's just like, well, eh. like if, if you have a, a melee fighter that's wielding a two-handed weapon and a ranged fighter that's like just taking popping shots from from distance, that's two different characters, but literally creating the same thing. Don't do that. That's just really yeah. Yeah, I, I find one of the hardest things to sort of um, get meshed together. We don't sleep out your toes. Is, is rogue. 
because rogue fulfills yeah. such a niche thing. They are skills jockeys, they are stealth, and it's very hard to have more than one person fulfilling that role. And unless you've planned it down so that you are taking complete opposite skills. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but actually my wife, uh, Jessica, when she was still playing a lot of the, at, back at the den, uh, when my girls were still really little, uh, her and Virgil ended up playing two rogues, but Virgil was the mastermind rogue, and she was a regular assassination, I think, rogue that was all ranged combat. And so Virgil was basically a bard, for lack of a better a bard with sneak attack, and she was all yeah. ranger, but yeah, no, it can be done, but you gotta be careful. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I, I don't want to sound like I'm saying you can't have the same class in a party, because that's not even close to what I'm saying, but, yeah. but don't don't mirror somebody else's intellectual property. And then that to be said, there's only so many combinations of races and classes and ideas. Because yeah. uh, I, mean, I think I posted in the Discord the other day, there are no original ideas. Yeah. But, I mean, still though, the person's five feet from you, hey man, I really want to play a fighter too, is that okay? I mean, that would have meant a world to me, but he just like... Yeah. It's, it's okay of homebrew. That's why we have say. Yeah. That's why you have homebrew. Exactly. And real quick, uh, Mike, I know you need to get out of here in about 15 minutes, so we'll do something different here to kind of... so that you can leave and not have to whatever, and then we can keep chatting for a little bit if you guys have extra stories to add in. There you go. All right, so real quick, uh, Micah, go ahead, and we're going to go down the line uh, so you have a D5. Go I ahead. Have a D5. Roll your number. Roll your D5. Tell me the number. Three. Three. Dunkel, you are number three. Remember that number. Go ahead and roll it again. Five. Five. Eden, you are number five. Go okay, ahead and roll okay. it again. If we get doubles, uh, roll it, you know, until we don't have a double. I usually just go, if we get doubles, you have the person choose odd or even, and then you either add to it or subtract from it. One. One. All right. I am number one. Ha! Of course. <laughs> hey. Number, uh, and then four? Klein, you are four. Or It says Klein, but uh, Micah, you are four. I am Klein. <laughs> yes. And then that, that leaves uh, two. Up with the, yep, two. All right, so what we are going to do, I know you didn't forget about those characters that you guys rolled up randomly earlier. So I am the law! <laughs> we'll go with that, and I am dead. Um, <laughs> so I just so happened to have a fun little Dungeons & Dragons Mad Lib adventure here. Oh, we are no. going. I know, I love putting everybody on the spot. So, we are going to go ahead and start off. I will be the first, and then we will rotate through with this. So, and at the very end, we will write the story and how it happened with our characters. So, be thinking in character. Can I, can I just so, clarify something quickly? Just very quickly for, for anyone who's listening. I had, and I don't think, I had no idea this was happening. What the? Yeah, this is, <laughs> you are welcome. This is my favorite part of A-Log Rest, is throwing your characters in random situations where we have to either make up a story or whatever else. And this is this time's uh, uh, fun little deal. So, uh, real quick, uh, going back through, I am Dent, a Warforged Sorcerer. And uh, go ahead and everybody, Lydia Nix, tell us uh, just name, class, race. Uh, yep, let's do some. I'm in playing Gabriel, who is a uh, wizard. Uh, a, a specifically a rock gnome wizard. 
Alright, Dunkle. Or um, not Dunkle. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm confused now. Uh, just a summary, basically? Yeah, just your name, class, and race, basically. Alright, Hashak, uh, Bard, College of Glamour, and Bugbear. Alright, Micah. I am Megan Greycastle, the half-orc circle of the moon druid. And Eden. I am Petra Fairfritz, a forest gnome moon druid. Alright, be thinking in character terms. So, there were many blank. I will go first, and this is a noun. So, because I am a warforged, there were many automatons. So, there were many uh, robots, we'll say. Or constructs. There were many constructs scattered throughout the blank. And this is a place. So, Lydia, what place would we be in? Oh, we're in... Um, we, we are currently in... What's the, uh, the, the, the Mergeron plane? I can't remember what it was called. Brave. Oh, no, I'm having an episode blank now. I know this. Mechanicus? Mechanicus. Yep. What was that? Mechanicus. Alright. Mechanicus. Yes, there were many constructs scattered throughout Mechanus, but what was so strange was that they, and then I needed an oddity, Stygius, what is odd about these constructs? What is odd about them? Yes, what is an oddity about these constructs? Oh man, what does a bard know about constructs? Um, <sighs> They have horrible singing voices. <laughs> <laughs> they were tone deaf. <laughs> What was so strange about them was they were tone deaf. This made it extremely difficult to... And then, uh, Micah, what would this... Why would being tone deaf make this extremely difficult to... What was the purpose for this? Because there is a law against bad singing in the land. (laughs) Okay, there is a law against bad singing. But... We managed to Eden. What is our goal for being here? Woo, the lady of their dreams. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but we managed to lose the lady, the lady of their dreams. When <laughs> I know, but... Lou the lady. Woo, the lady. I can speak. I promise. That's the name of my next character. Lou, yes. Lou the lady. <laughs> When first characters, so when Dent, what did Dent do? Dent is a sorcerer farmer, so when he managed to charm person, cast charm person. On a construct? <laughs> uh, I guess, we'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't have to make sense, it's ad-libbed. So, uh, let's see here, so... Uh, we managed to woo the lady of their dreams when Dent cast Charm Persian. So, person number charm two. Persian? Yeah. Charm Persian? Charm Persian. So, uh... Oh my gosh. And I'm going to have everybody put their character names in chat so that uh, we're actually going to post this up in the show notes. So, Lydia, uh, you are character number two in this. So, your character followed up by... What did you do which will help? So you have to do something that will help the next person. 
I cast seeming uh, on all of the Modrons and made them really like hunky. <laughs> to make them appear really quote hunky. <laughs> <laughs> Which helped person number three. Who's number three? Stygius. Yep. So it helped your character to what did it help your character to do? <clears throat> hmm. Um finally compose my opus. Finally compose your opus. With a, with a choir of constructs. Okay. Constructs. <laughs> yes. Hunky, hunky constructs. Hunky constructs. <laughs> yes. Now keep in, keep in mind, my character is a lady bugbear, so she's probably looking to get it from anywhere she can. So a, a hunky construct is probably a pretty good thing for her. Alright. Bow, oh, chicka, bow, bow. <laughs> And I have uh, changed all instances of constructs into Modrons because I love that even more. Hunky <laughs> Modrons. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, uh, let's see. So, uh, your character finally managed to compose your opus with Hunky Modrons. Finally, person number four was able to action. Oh, God, I think I'm going to do... I'm, I think I'm going to uh, do Mike's character a favor. And I'm going to... Uh, uh, and I... Uh, Begin the process of enacting legislation allowing <laughs> relationship between uh, uh, fle- flesh beings and constructs or modrons. <laughs> so what was that again? <laughs> Legal action or what? I'm I'm going to uh, to to submit for 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 potential legislation an act that would legalize marriages between uh, beings of flesh and beings of steel. Oh my god. (laughs) Okay, and last but not least, and person five was able to blank accomplish goal. So, person five, you accomplished the goal. (laughs) Did you accomplish that goal? Hmm. Eden. Person number five would be Eden. Uh, Accomplishing the goal of wooing the lady? Or. what would you do to finalize that, finally accomplish the wooing of ladies? Um... Wait a minute, does that make me the lady? <laughs> yes! Uh, yes! Yes! I am the lady! <laughs> <laughs> Growl. Oh my god. And put your the... character's name in chat there, Mike, so I can... Yes, uh, please do, because uh, I, okay. I, I, I have okay. to say a thing. Uh, 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 trying to think of druid summony thingies. Um... It, I summon fairies to make it all to officiate. <laughs> to officiate. <laughs> oh god! Oh god! <laughs> all right. And for completing this quest, we received what kind of a reward would we receive? Who receive? Whoever has the best reward is the one we will put down. The power <laughs> of friendship. Oh fuck! Oh dear lord. <laughs> Five gold pretendi. Specifically, Grace of the Elbow. <laughs> oh, God. I, I think it's going to be five gold per attendee. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mike actually changed his, his name. So I have to say, Hashak is the prettiest princess. Aw, <laughs> oh, thanks! 
Where is that? Hasha? Uh, he, 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 he actually he changed his username. Oh, there we go. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Okay, so <clears throat> the final story. There were many Mordrons scattered throughout Mechanus, but what was so strange was they were tone deaf. This made it extremely difficult to, uh, as there was a law against bad singing. We managed to woo the ladies uh, when Dent cast Charm Person. Gabrielle uh, followed up by casting Seeming on all the Mordrons to make them appear really hunky, which helped Hashak to finally compose uh, her opus with hunky Mordrons as a choir. Finally, Meg Greycastle was able to submit for potential legislation to legalize marriages between beings of flesh and beings of steel, and Petra was able to summon fairies to officiate the marriage. For completing this quest, we received five gold pieces per attendee. <laughs> oh god, yeah! Congratulations, everybody. I just, I just picture the hunky Mordrons wearing the Chippendales outfits. <laughs> yes. Hells yes. Just with the little <laughs> robots with bow ties. And cuffs. Can't forget and, the cuffs. And tearaway pants. The <laughs> weird box hits. <laughs> oh god, this was fantastic. Oh man, thank you guys very, very much. This was a blast. We will definitely have possibly part two of horror stories, warnings, so on and so forth, and definitely one with some good, funniest, most memorable moments and whatnot. So thank you guys once again for joining me for this episode of A Long Rest. Go ahead and say goodbye. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs> May the laws be ever in your favor. <laughs>